This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com. Web.com can build your website in as little as seven days free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. If you're in business today and you don't have a web presence, you won't be taken seriously. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-490-1099 or go to web.com slash radio. That's 800-490-1099. No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply. The Buck Sexton Show. All right, team. Welcome back to the Freedom Hunt. Hour 2 is already upon us. The show is flying by today. We're joined by our friend David Harsanyi. He is the senior editor. Uh, he is a senior editor at The Federalist. You can read his latest at thefederalist.com. Also follow him, David Harsanyi, spelled like it sounds, on Twitter. Great to have you, David. Thanks for joining us. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, so I, I just I like this headline because it makes me feel better on uh, on the inside. Uh, this is the least important election of our lifetimes. You write in The Federalist. Oh, please do tell why. <laughs> A, for, this is a, this is the sort of column where you come up with a headline and then you're like, I'm going to have to like make this happen now somehow. So, you know, everyone says every election is the most important election, which always annoys me. But I actually have some good reasons for it. I think that let's say Hillary wins. Um, in essence, I think, and, and let's say Republicans hold the House at least and maybe the Senate. I think what you're going to have is just another four years of the sort of gridlock that we've had before, I don't think that uh, the, the trajectory of the country is going to change as much as people think. I'm not saying elections don't hold consequences. Obviously, they do. But I'm, you know, when you look at history, I think that sometimes we tend to believe that what's happening to us at this moment is the most important thing that could ever be happening. And perhaps that's true for us, but I don't think that that's true for history generally. I also saw the the part of your argument, and by the way, I do I, this it, it's a f- phenomenal headline. And then I know you did have to sort of, you know. You have to, you have to, you know, own up to that headline of the rest of the piece, Got which I think, I think, it, yeah. you, I think you did admirably. Um, but also the the idea that uh, whether it's Hillary or Trump, there are still very serious structural problems, including the temperament and judgment of the American voter. Uh, but then there's also just sort of the the, the size, scope, and trajectory of the federal government and uh, the infringements on individual liberty and the size of the debt. I mean. There are huge problems that remain that really neither candidate is particularly well-equipped to fix. Yeah, I mean, I mentioned that, too. First of all, I don't think either of these two are are competent or smart enough to destroy the country in four years. At least that's my hope. But I also think, yeah, I mean, I think we have problems. Obviously, these candidates are a reflection of something else that's going on. In my opinion, it's a reflection of real discord on the right um, and sort of a split of that party on the left. Sadly, from what I see, I think there's a normalization of corruption, of any means necessary to get to the ends that you want. And I think there's a lot of that going on in the left. It's very dangerous. So gridlock, I think, which is the organic reflection of what the country is about right now, is a good thing. And uh, not a lot's going to get done. Obviously, the Supreme Court's there, and that's a serious 
uh, you know, that, that is, a, is a serious issue that a lot of people should worry about. But I, at least I am not convinced that either of them will do a good job on that front anyway. So I, I do worry for the Constitution, but not because of this election, because of the trajectory we're on. What do you think about the? What do you think about this idea that's floated out there by some that you know what this? If the Senate stays Republican, they don't have to put anybody in until there's a next president. They could keep it at eight. I'm completely for it, unless nice. of course, unless Hillary puts forward you know some constitutionalists, some originalists, or something, which is not going to happen. It is irrelevant to me, just as an aside, how moderate or non-moderate the judge is, or the justice would be. Because a vote is a vote on the Supreme Court. It doesn't matter to me that he's only a little bit for abortion or a lot for abortion, and, um, or it shouldn't matter to a voter. And I'm for it because it will, I, think it, I think you have a, a person in Hillary, for instance, who essentially is against the First Amendment, the Second Amendment, the Fifth Amendment, the Tenth Amendment. I think it's the job of the Senate to say that we have to try to preserve the Constitution. What's going on is wrong, and we're going to have a split Supreme Court for a while. So I think that's the argument they should make. I don't know if they have the people who can make that in a compelling way to convince enough Americans. But uh, I think, yeah, I'm all for more gridlock, absolutely. You know, I had a caller on before who asked me, when when do people, when do people wake up, or, or when is there – a sort of public uh, uprising for real change, uh, a political uprising for re- for real change from the way government currently functions. I mean, a, a lot of what's happened over the past year, it seems to me, is an outgrowth of years of people on, on a lot of people on the right saying that the Republicans are basically just as bad as the Democrats, that they're they're sellouts, that they they say one thing to raise money and then they do another in D.C. And while all of that may be true, it's like, OK, well, at what point? Do we actually change things or what would it take? I've I've started to get to the point where I, I feel like in, unless it really hurts people day to day financially, unless there's a real essentially we reach the point where everyone's like, OK, so Treasury bonds like we all realize this is a joke, right? This is this is not this is actually we're never going to pay off the debt. And uh, we've been propping up our currency with all these different games until people have trouble or rather until bread becomes five times more expensive you don't really have a, a, a public quorum to do anything that different from what we're going to get anyway. Or, or what do you think? I don't know. There's sort of a weird dynamic going on. In many ways, the lives of people are better, right? I mean, the, we have, you know, we live longer. We have like any kind of quantifiable way. For most people, things are better. For many people, as usual, there are problems, obviously. But generally speaking, we're not living in the Great Depression here. And, um, yeah. But there's really something going on that really is upsetting people about government. And I get that. I, I think there's a frustration. Uh, there are expectations set by politicians that can't be met. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a ton of different things you mentioned with some other things as well. So um, I get that. But I, I'm a little, I am a little bit confused by what people expect from their government. And maybe this is just the lack of understanding what government does. Yeah. You, you know, I want change. I want, I wish we lived in a libertarian country, you know, and it was just like complete capitalism, very little regulation, but that's not what my neighbor wants. And at some point we have to figure out where we're going to meet and how it's going to work out for both of us. So at the people who want big change, you know, there are a bunch of other people who want big change in a different direction. So that's why we are where we are. And I think there is, the big problem is that we've one group and the other group no longer view the Constitution at all in the same way. We don't view the American project in the same way. We have completely different ideas about where it should go, not just like policy differences, but just overall, we, we have a completely di- di- diverged in our ideas about America. And that, 
I think is is leading to what, what's happening now, which is uh, it's not a good thing. Do you think it's fair to say that the this sort of central uh, the the id or the ethos or the, the the I don't know you know the spirit animal of the Democratic Party people do that uh, doesn't really care about the Constitution at all anymore. Only only engages in discussions about the Constitution as a means of uh, counteracting or counterbalancing. Republicans pointing at it and saying, we've got a government that's set up this way to do the following things, and this is sort of our founding document that's supposed to you know, be the, be the baseline of all this stuff. Democrats will argue about it, but I feel like there's a, a large swath of the Democratic Party, or certainly I, I mean this, the people that are pushing agendas and, and are pushing forward policy, who would just as soon be done with the whole thing and start all over. I, I, I don't think they have any reverence for the Constitution. I think they actually view it as kind of not even just quaint, but uh, but an anachronistic and uh, and part of a, of a dark period of America's past. I mean, I, I think that there's a an antagonism towards the Constitution of the Democratic Party now. And I, I don't know if you think that's too far, but that's what I see. I think that's exactly right. In fact, I think you can go farther and say that they think the Constitution, when it is used, it should be used to enact what they think society should look like. So, um, you know, when you talk to some progressive, the only time they talk about the constitutional rights of someone is when it comes to gay marriage and abortion. I mean, they're never going to mention, uh, you know, the Tenth Amendment or the Second or the First. Think about the gun debate recently. They wanted to literally allow people on, to be put on secret lists by the government and then deny them their Second Amendment right without even having a Fifth Amendment right for them anymore. I mean, uh, Hillary goes out there and says she wants to overturn the First Amendment to enact a law that will allow her administration to ban people from making documentaries about her next election. That is essentially what she's arguing when she wants to can, you all, can I just chime in here real quick to say that your yeah. point is very well taken. Also, it was the government's – you're referring to Citizens United for everybody listening. It was the government's official position when asked in Citizens United, well, if you can ban documentaries within a certain period, couldn't you also ban books? The United States federal government said yes, that that, that, that would actually have to be part of this too. It couldn't just be documentaries. It would have to be books as well. Yeah. You know who said that, by the way? So that was a solicitor general of the United States answering, I believe. It was yes. Elena Kagan, I think, who's now on the Supreme Court. I don't believe that they care about the First Amendment. I think that they don't believe rich people should have the same rights to speak. They want equality of outcome on everything. And it's a, it's, that's what we're talking about. I mean, I think that's a divergent view. What scares me more than that, because I believe that for a while, is that many people on the right are now acting the same way. And um, I think that that's a danger. Yeah, the the that, sort of fight fire with fire mentality. Me Trump. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's, there's this like they do it, so we need to do it, too. And, you know, we we're sick of losing. We way. want to be winners. Winners right. cheat and lie. So let's cheat and lie. <laughs> That's kind of the like attitude. for me, the main issue is process. Like I care more about process than actual like a policy. And I want to preserve the process. To me, that's the most important thing here. And I, I just sense that and I'm not saying I'm better than anyone. I'm just saying that I sense that most people don't agree with me. They just want to win. And um, maybe that's why I'm a loser. And Donald Trump's a winner. Well, we'll, we'll see about about the second <laughs> part of that in a few days, David. And we all think you're a winner. Let's let's not have that sort of sad talk here. <laughs> I want to ask no you about your piece. We're speaking to David Harsanyi, who's a senior editor for The Federalist. Um, wanted to get your, your take on oh, – because I said Obama initially came out and was more or less supportive of Comey. And I was like, look, well, this is because if he starts hammering Comey, then everyone just turns around and says, okay, well, then appoint a special prosecutor, you know, genius. Go for it. 
Uh, now he is uh, going after Comey a little bit. So the door to me feels like it's open for him to say, OK, well, now now we know, right, it should be special prosecutor time. And this seems to be what you're saying in your piece. Yeah, it'd be like Glenn Beck saying, boy, these blaze of people are terrible. You know, I wish someone would do something about it. You know, I mean, he he is the he can fight. He can have anyone. I think he, he can fire Comey if he wants, basically. And he can he can push for a special prosecutor. That's the reason he, he said that uh, he wouldn't get involved initially, or he said that Comey was an upstanding person and an ethical person. And now this is clearly just for political purposes. This is exactly what liberals were crying about recently when, when they were saying that, you know, those who attack the FBI are, are corroding trust in institutions and so forth. So, um, yeah, he should name a special prosecutor. It, uh, and he, you know, if, if, Hillary is not being treated correctly, and the FBI is operating through innuendo and leaks, as he says. Something's wrong at the FBI. This has to be fixed immediately, and we should get a special prosecutor. I mean, we should have had a special prosecutor for this. It was going to be all along, especially given that it's it's so clear to make a case about Loretta Lynch's impartiality. You know, we had Andy McCarthy on yesterday. We're talking about how it's Loretta Lynch's old office, the Eastern District of New York, where she hired all the senior all the senior prosecutors, and they're all very tied into her, too, that's been trying to uh, quash the investigation into the Clinton corruption uh, of the Clinton Foundation, never mind the, the, the uh, classified email stuff. It, there should have been a special prosecutor a long time ago, and they've appointed special prosecutors for a lot less than this. Right. I mean, in, in a couple of weeks ago, you know, when this whole – when Comey sent his letter, you know, and, every, and everyone started panicking, all of a sudden everyone's really concerned about protocol – you know, but when Loretta Lynch met on a tarmac with someone who we now know was actually part, you know, was actually the focus of an investigation, uh, she had no problem doing that. The media didn't go bananas over it. Um, it's just a giant mess. I, I, you know, I think Comey had to send the letter. I think he was ethically obligated to do it when he ran across this new evidence. And it's only one person's fault that this is happening, Hillary. And uh, somehow we're back in the 90s and we're going to destroy anyone who gets in her way, in their way. And uh, we're probably going to have four years of this. It's, it's, a, it's a disaster for America because the whole left is mobilized to normalize corruption and to rationalize and justify it. And it's, it's, it's a disaster if you care about the rule of law. Last question for you real quick, David, uh, just your take on ha- have has the media and uh, the major mainstream media debased itself more in this election than in anyone, anyone previously in order to get Hillary elected? I, I feel like they've been willing to just do th- at this point. They'll just do anything. Yeah, I absolutely think that that's true. Not every single person, but just generally speaking, uh, I think it's a corrupt institution as well. I mean, what they've done here, and listen, I don't care how much you hate Donald Trump or you don't, the news is the news. And, you know, you should have the bandwidth to be upset by two candidates. You can, and they haven't. They, they've, in essence, I keep saying in essence, but they have explicitly said that they're acted in a biased way because they feel like one person is dangerous to the country as if it's for them to decide. It's, it's, it's a big problem because I don't think there's any way back from this. I don't trust them anymore. And I used to make excuses all the time for them that, you know, it's just a cultural thing, that they're not biased on purpose. It's just their sort of viewpoint and the prism they view the world through and, and that sort of thing. But now this is active campaigning, basically. So the right has to do something. They need to come up with their own organizations to push back. Uh, you know, something has to happen. This can't go on. Yeah, there's, uh, there's active campaign ridiculous. collusion underway with major media outlets, which is just... It's just too much. And the WikiLeaks thing show that explicitly.
explicitly people do that, but yeah, I mean, you well, don't have I mean. to concern in that way. Yeah. It's been I mean, crazy. I mean, you can just follow people's leads. You don't have to, you know, email them even, and you could still be biased, but yeah. David Harsanyi is a senior editor at The Federalist. Follow him on Twitter at David Harsanyi. Read his latest on thefederalist.com. David, thank you so much for your time today, sir. Great to have you. Anytime. Thank you. Bye. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com. Web.com can build your website in as little as seven days free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance 